like scary movies. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Welcome to the Jumping Scared Podcast. My name's Alex, and I'm joined, as always, by my twin brother, Eric. We are going back to our constant bag of tricks today with a episode type we've done before that's going to be bringing you some recent ratings, reviews, and recommendations for two more 2019 horror movies. Eric, tell us where we're at right now. And it just so happens, not only are these recent rating recommendations and reviews uh, for 2019 movies, but they also are on a theme, and that theme is going to be playing with the concept of time. Yes. So the first movie we've got is a sequel to a movie that came out in 2017 of a very similar name, and that is Happy Death Day to You. Obviously, Happy Death Day being the original, and this being the uh, direct follow-up sequel. And as we get started, uh, I got super interested in the Happy Death Day series, I guess, when the trailer first came out. Uh, it paired this, this like super ditzy sorority girl getting slashed to death multiple times with 50 cents into club. And uh, so the trailer already had me hooked. And then I just thought it was a fun movie. I don't think it got a ton of critical acclaim, but I know a lot of people did like it. Some people hated it. Uh, it kind of depends on who you ask, but... It's, it's definitely an interesting concept, and I'm always going to jump on board something that plays with the concept of time, just because it's a really cool and fun aspect to try to dive into for a horror movie. Yeah, and we've definitely talked about that in the past on this podcast. There's a lot of movies that do it really interestingly and really well. Um, we've talked about movies like Triangle, about, I think we maybe talked about Mind Games briefly. I know in the ABCs of Death, some of those <laughs> included some, some time loops or some sort of time travel type deal. So it is interesting that we got two new movies to talk about. I'm also excited, um, both this movie and the next movie we're going to talk about spoiler-free, which is, I'll just give you a heads up, In the Tall Grass, uh, 2019 as well. Both these two movies were on our 2019 preview, so I'm glad that we're actually dedicating a podcast to both of them, because I think we've at least talked about uh, almost every movie that's been on our preview. We haven't talked about Child's Play yet, but that's kind of like the only one that's really glaring out at me that has now out on VOD that, or you know through theaters that we haven't covered in some respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it just proves, or at least proves to ourselves that we're not hypocrites and like trying to get you guys excited about movies that we're not even going to watch. <laughs> so um, I, cause I couldn't even remember that we talked about In the Tall Grass. It had been that long, and then it popped up on Netflix, and I'm like, oh, that's right. Okay, let's let's give it a go. Yeah, and so Eric said, you know, proves we're not hypocrites. I think we're also gonna, also going to prove that we could have been excited for something that then <laughs> turned out to not maybe be so great, because we're going to talk about Happy Death Day to you right now, and... Unfortunately for me, it fell a little bit flat. And we're going to talk about this one a bit more specific. So this is going to be a spoiler warning. Um, overall thoughts and feelings. Probably wouldn't really recommend unless like you're kind of more in the mood for like an action-adventure type movie. It was less a horror movie and more like action comedy. I would throw uh, romantic interest as one of the leading titular uh, <laughs> yeah. character descriptions as well. Um, definitely not horror. And for the people who didn't think the first movie was horror, this is like a, even a l- much larger step down from that. Uh, so yeah, I would, I, I would have... I'd be hard-pressed to even put horror in the top three in this movie if yeah. you're doing over the descriptors. So. Top ten, maybe. I mean, <laughs> clearly top ten. There's not that many things you can describe in a movie. Yeah. 
or subgenres. But anyway, um, so quick little synopsis for those who have not seen the first movie. Uh, it's basically starring a, it revolves around a college girl who for some reason uh, gets stuck in a time loop. She has to relive the same day over and over again. And there is a masked murderer who keeps on killing her and she has to try to find out who that is. So as we move to the second movie, um, she has fortunately made it out of that time loop, but a strange series of events at her college, university, uh, throws her back into a new but also similar time loop, and she kind of has to start from square one and um, go from there. And what this movie is, it's it's fun because it's the it's the whodunit. Uh, it, invites a lot of guessing it introduces a lot of characters who you probably think are giving our uh, leading actress a lot of trouble but then eventually don't end up being the uh, suspect or the murderer and it's cool what gets what's the what's the audience play that uh, clue clue type guessing game as to okay is this person gonna be the person revealed down the road who actually is behind all the nefarious whatnot but like alex said this movie just felt pretty bland. And and I think to speak to what you just said with the kind of whodunit, I don't think it even really rewarded us with like being able to guess and figure out what was happening because there wasn't really that much mystique by the end, like or even by the middle. I feel like it was kind of that aspect was not nearly as important as like was her just personal life and like deciding, oh, do I go to this timeline where my mother's alive or do I go to this timeline where I'm with this guy? And then they also went really deep into this kind of science fiction aspect of explaining why the time loop happened. And I just was so uninterested in that because they built this some sort of weird contraption in a quantum mechanics lab. And then one of her trees, like big things was memorizing these different parameters or algorithms and then so then like she could be like oh this wasn't it and that she would like then write out this complex i don't know i just was not into the science explanation of it and i'm i have a science background like i'm not bored by science but i just this is not the type of movie where i think that was necessary and i think it really detracted and dominated too much of the plot yeah the focus on her plight and away from the actual mystery of like the murder within the time loop uh, completely derailed this movie and is what was what it's what made the first movie entertaining to me was focusing so much on that mystery I don't know why this needed a sequel uh, they clearly felt the need to expand upon the rationale behind the time loop I don't think we needed it uh, we got a good enough reason uh, where she was dealing with grief from losing her mom in the first movie yeah the the science fiction background of it where I didn't, I didn't hate it. It just was like, why, why, why? why? If this is like, and it kind of was the driving force for the entire movie. Uh, so I don't know why you do that besides for a quick cash grab. And I guess, unfortunately, the horror genre is uh, pretty frequently littered with quick cash grabs. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, every successful horror movie has essentially either spanned a sequel or a franchise or a <laughs> extended universe. You know, you have the Conjuring universe now. You have a reboot of Child's Play. You have It Chapter 2, obviously the sequel. You know, 2019 has been littered with uh, really popular either 
follow-ups or continuations and that's just it's not it's not only horror obviously you get that with like the superhero movies and things of that nature too but horror definitely is maybe one of the most litter genres that have that going on and it's not always a bad thing if you listen to our last po- podcast we kind of gave rave reviews for it chapter two it's so it's, it's very it's very possible to work within a already popular universe or uh, bring back some old content and give it a new flair and be successful. Uh, unfortunately, this is one of the movies where it didn't really need a sequel, and the sequel that came out didn't do anything that we didn't expect it to. So it is just, it's just there. It just feels like it's there. It happened to me. I watched it. Won't really take anything from it, and uh, kind of wish I had my hour and a half back. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I was into the, like the comedy of the very beginning. Like I think it, they set the movie up like okay. Like I kind of liked how they introduced the roommate into the time loop and then Tree reacting to it like that first maybe 20 minutes I thought was funny and solid it was obviously more comedic than anything else but then it just like it it got kind of more serious overall and just kind of I didn't really feel that connected to the plot and the plight as Eric was saying and so it just kind of dragged on with this uninteresting story to me so it ended up feeling like a b-tier comedy movie more than anything else and I just was like well it's not the worst thing in the world, but I'm not really <laughs> enjoying my experience here. I agree with that. That's a good way to put it. And since we're not going to get into spoiler-specific plot talk and everything, I think we can probably just leave it at that and maybe give it a quick rating and uh, move on. Okay. Um, whew, I should have thought about this before. I mean, so this I would put in the not recommended category. So for me, that has to be below a 5. So I'm gonna, I am gonna—I don't think it's a ton under that. So I'm going to give it like a 4.4. Or so, I think it's a little bit below average. Not the worst movie in the world, but not very good. And I'll be a little bit higher. Uh, I'll be around a 5.3. Just because, I don't know, maybe I'm too attached to liking the original and defending the original that I feel like I've got to give this some wiggle room, but... 5.3 is not even a great score. (laughs) So I don't know why I still feel like I need to defend myself. 5.3, leaving it at that. Okay. Um, all right. So I guess with that said, we just want to move right on to our number two of our double feature. By the way, this is also a little bit of an immediate reaction as we watched both these movies just last night. So this is the day after for us. Um, the second movie, as we said previously, is going to be In the Tall Grass, which is coming to us from director, drum roll please, uh, Vincenzo Natali, who if you've uh, been watching horror movies since the 90s, you've probably seen one of his movies. That's a, it's a pretty cult classic cube from i believe 1997 does that sound right eric yeah it's 1997 um and if you haven't seen cube go watch cube it's a uh, very fun take on uh breaking down the human psychology of small group dynamics in a deathly situation um it does a really good job if you if like if you can picture saw 2 it's very similar to Saw 2, but kind of better in almost every regard if you just take away Jigsaw. <laughs> so I uh, highly recommend that. Um, we're not going to spoil it more than just saying it's the same director, but uh, go watch Cube. Cube is fun. So is um, Cube 2 is ridiculous, but I also fun. don't know for sure if I've seen it, actually, okay. but... Also well worth a watch. <laughs> okay, so this one's going to be starring Patrick Wilson, who if you have been watching horror movies in the last five or ten years... Or even movies, you've seen this guy around. He's really been popping up in everything. Uh, well known from the Conjuring movies as uh, he's going to be Ed uh, Warren. He, I think he was in Aquaman. He was in Watchmen. Uh, he's been in a ton of stuff. And for me, he was my favorite part of this movie because he acted the heck out of his role. And 
Um, I guess I'll give a little bit of a spoiler warning. If you're interested in checking this out, I'd say go ahead and check it out because this is a slight recommend for me or kind of bordering on maybe not recommend, but it's kind of right around there. But I think we'll talk a little bit about spoilers. We're not going to ruin the whole movie, but um, he was a bad guy in this and I think he played it really well. I loved how he played the character. Really menacing and creepy and cult-like. Uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I think overall this was actually a pretty well-acted movie. Uh, it only relies on really like six main characters with uh, another character kind of peppering themselves in. Um, but yeah, I think everybody for the most part did a pretty darn good job and um, for obvious reasons uh, we get to see a whole bunch of different emotions on all of diff the different characters and different mental states and um, since we're playing with time also different versions of themselves you could even say yeah and so that's also a little bit of a spoiler is playing with time this movie sets itself up as you know there's this massively expansive field that seemingly lures people in by hearing a calling you know calling for help calling for help and as soon as you enter the field there's a huge problem with being able to leave as it's a constantly shifting landscape where you could think that you're right next to someone and you yell out for them and then two seconds later you yell out and then it seems like they're hundreds of feet away which I thought was really cool. There was one sequence where two of our main characters, Becky and Cal, who are brother and sister, were trying to find each other. And they're like, oh, jump and yell and we'll wave our hands. And they do it and they're like two rows apart. So they're right next to each other. And they do it, try to do it one more time as they move closer. And then all of a sudden they're like, what, half fifth, a mile yeah, apart? Yeah, super, maybe not that far, but like 50 yards or something. Something oh, really clearly more than 50 okay, yards. Okay, well, whatever. They're very far apart. So I like that a lot because it really sets the stage of feeling hopelessness and this kind of overarching sense of just on you not being able to control the environment the environment's controlling you and uh i think it was a very cool setting of just this tall grass it was probably what like eight foot nine foot tall stalks of grass that and i loved a lot of the visuals around that where they had the overhead shots of the people moving through it and you'd have the waves they had this really creepy tribal music that would play as the grass was moving about uh, i thought the setting and the cinematography was absolutely wonderful um the plot gets a little bit off the rails. <laughs> well, actually, a lot of it off, off the rails. And I was kind of into it. I think it went a little bit more than I was anticipating and ready for. But I was kind of into it. And I, I overall kind of enjoyed it. I think premise-wise, it was good. Execution-wise, uh, it was hit or miss. Uh, it really was. And so let's just break this down a little bit more and kind of set up the scene. So our main characters, uh, Cal and Becky... Uh, brother and sister, as Alex just mentioned, are driving halfway across the country. Uh, we quickly find out that Becky is pregnant, and the reason for the road trip is related to that. Uh, they stop at the side of the road because she's about to be sick with morning sickness, and that's when they hear the call out from a child stuck in the maze or the big field, the grass field, and they decide to go investigate and help him, and they quickly get caught up in the field, and we very, very quickly realize that this is not an ordinary field, and they are not going to be getting out anytime soon. Uh, so we eventually are introduced to the rest of our main characters, uh, being a family, a mother, a father, who played by Patrick Wilson, and uh, the aforementioned uh, villain of the movie, and a child, Tobin. And I think Tobin actually may have been my favorite part of the movie. I like Toby. Uh, Toby slash Tobin, yeah. So he uh, he represented just like the innocence of everybody within the group. Uh, he also was seemingly pretty intelligent and mature for his age. And uh, I thought the 
fight over the sanity of Patrick Wilson, which really wasn't much of a fight, but um, quickly, that quick devolution, uh, that's not a word. Devolution? Yeah, but that's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> uh, the quick uh, change in character for Patrick Wilson, who was his father, and him rationalizing that and being able to overcome his fears and deal with that was quite well done and he did a very good job with that yeah and so this is an interesting one because so like eric mentioned earlier this is something that plays with time there's a concept of time loops or cyclical time and what, what this movie does interestingly that i don't see very often is that it was a very chaotic form of, of time loops there was so much interaction and so much exposure between multiple versions of the same reality that like you might have a character running into themselves or running into another person from from maybe like currently all the way to a couple months ago you might see multiple dead bodies like it was just so, so interesting that like you honestly had no idea which person was from which reality and how that was shaping the current interactions like it really completely kind of changed the dynamic where at certain times this person in this cycle is more chaotic and evil than this person in this cycle who's been stayed pure you know it was like kind of interesting it kind of really shifted the shifted the style and, and how you could trust or interpret the character's intentions and you know interactions with the other people which i thought was super interesting hard to follow at times but yeah uh, I, I thought it was cool and so the what this this field centered on and why it was such a mysterious and mystifying place was uh there was this giant rock left in the center of the field uh, had carvings all over it. Uh, it was probably, I don't know, 15, 20 feet tall, super wide. And we are uh, very quickly find out that there are some sort of mystical mystical powers that are beyond uh, human humanity based within this rock. And uh, we find out from Patrick Wilson, who decides to touch the rock, and he basically becomes um, L. Ron Hubbard type, all-knowing, and then it's, oh, Robert. yeah, like Scientology. Yeah, it's a weird reference. Okay, well, so he becomes <laughs> all-knowing. In the so Alex mentioned he did a good job as like being the villain. Uh, they didn't do a great job of writing his dialogue. I thought I thought his dialogue when he became like the super creepy dude was like, kind of like goofy at times. Uh, I thought it was overall decent. I I wasn't like upset about it. Okay, I um, I wouldn't. I don't know. What I'm gonna say I don't get upset often, but <laughs> but I I thought it was just a little silly. Um, he was like very, um, I mean, he obviously wanted everybody else to touch the rock. If you touch the rock, then you become one with the field. But we also find out if you touch the rock, you can't leave the field. But nobody knows how to leave the field anyway, so it's like a double-edged sword in that regard. Yeah, you only know how to leave the field if you touch the rock. But once you touch the rock, not only don't can you not leave the field, you don't want to, according to to uh patrick wilson and then different people have seen different things within the field so they know like when different people are lying and then that comes up and then there's the struggles between humanity and now whatever you want to call patrick wilson in his current state i mean he's team field for sure yeah um so he definitely he definitely wants to recruit more members to team field uh whatever that means for their eventual fates it just seems like they're going to uh become one with the field maybe become blades of grass in another life well I, I, I was kind of curious if you thought so we kind of at, at times saw some weird grass hybrid people i wonder if if once you touch the rock it's a slow transition to become one of those if those are just like people who've touched the rock over the ages i think i was so i thought about that i think it was more of like an idea of 
when the rock crashed down, those were like the beings that were contained within it. Oh, and, and so okay. They were like the, like the protectors of the rock, kind of, or maybe the first people who found the rock or something. Okay. Yeah, not necessarily just anybody who touches it in the future. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that seemed. I was of the mind where the rock was like too good for somebody like Patrick Wilson. Like it wasn't just gonna be like, yeah, you're one of me just because you touched me. He had a good mustache. He did have a good. Well, I mean, it was an all right mustache. <laughs> um, I wanted to also mention the hilarity that was the scene where it went inside i believe it was travis's chest when he touched the rock to show the grass wrapping around his heart that was like some middle school high school level effects i feel like it was not very well done like i would expect to see that on like a c-list csi spinoff it was yeah very silly it's something that i know i couldn't do better of but like if i was doing it i would probably rather spend like four years working on a project and never releasing it if it was gonna look that (laughs) stupid just just that one scene the rest of it like i said the cinematography i thought was really good i thought the visuals looked really nice but that one scene was oof um yeah so overall though i thought it was an enjoyable experience it was weird for sure but this is one i was excited for without knowing almost anything about it all i knew that was a stephen king's slash Joe Hill property that they had worked on as a novella together. And I knew that it was coming to Netflix in October. So I've been excited for this for a long time. Didn't necessarily live up as, oh, this is one of the best of the year. But for me, it was a slightly above average. And I would say, yeah, I would recommend it to throw it on the back end of your queue if you're looking for more movies to add. It's um, it's also super, super kingy. <laughs> like, I don't know if you got that impression yeah, just by yeah. watching it. I, I don't think you've read it, right? No, I haven't read the novella. Uh, it was incredibly kingy to me, yeah. just with the, the omnipresence of the rock and the... the, the, the just the field. The field felt very Children of the Corn-esque yes. and... Uh, mm-hmm. The Either tribal way. music and I don't know the whole feeling definitely was in like a kind of a small town, you know, the whole kind of thing. So. Even yeah, you could call it even a pet cemetery ish vibe. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Um, all right, Eric. So you want to get into the ratings and recommendations? I guess we've kind of already started talking about it. Yeah. So I don't think I would recommend this. So similar to uh, Happy Death Day to you, but I thought it was a little bit better. I think I'm right around the 6.0, 6.1 range as far as rating. Um, if you really like time movies, I mean, you don't get too many opportunities to watch them. So if you're if you're into it, then it would be a recommendation. But uh, for the general population, I think I'm probably going to say, hey, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff on Netflix now, Netflix and Chills. Uh, you could probably pick something at random and hopefully maybe get a little lucky. Yeah, um, I actually not too much higher on the rating. I would go a low six myself, but to me, that's a slight recommend. This isn't the best thing in the world. I think if you, like I said, if you're looking for more movies, yeah, throw this on the back of your queue. I don't think it's going to ruin your night <laughs> or anything, but not the best, but I think a, a fun a fun watch. I think we both enjoyed it. So yeah, those are our recent ratings, reviews, and recommendations. Eric, you want to end with a little, little horror gab as we can talk about the rest of some of the stuff we're looking forward to in October and how we're rounding out our month of uh, spooks and chills? Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, so uh, October is one of my favorite times. Uh, Halloween's perfect. It's, it's when horror movies are celebrated by the general population. And also, just a time to appreciate... Uh, some little nods we get to the horror genre in mainstream media. So one of the things that Alex and I have been doing lately is by uh, watching a lot of Halloween-themed episodes from television, uh, from cartoons, 
um, and just getting really in the mood and mm-hmm. in the spirit. So some of the things that I can recall watching off the top of my head here is the Treehouse of Horror from Simpsons, the uh, Boy Meets World, and then there was Sean episode. Uh, there is an episode of Psych, which is popular yet not popular. Like people who watch it like talk about it a lot, but not a ton of people have watched it. It's a criminal show based on a well it's a comedy criminal show based on a psychic and they've got a pretty cool parody episode of friday the 13th called tuesday the 17th so i've watched that and uh we're watching a bunch of brooklyn 99 halloween episodes because those are super fun uh i really like brooklyn 99 i started watching it about a year or two ago and they do a really good job every halloween they have a very specific format and they have some fun halloween episodes yes and there is a very good uh Donald Duck, Huey, Dewey, and Louie episode. I think it's just called Donald Duck Halloween, uh, revolving around those kids trick-or-treating at their Uncle Donald's house. And it's... uh, And they get get the aid of a witch. They get an aid of a witch because their their Uncle Donald is a grumpy goose duck. (laughs) Duck. Yeah, and so this is just a time of year where it's so fun. Like, we've been drinking apple cider, some hot chocolate, snacking on candy corn. Like, it just really, everything builds to, like, fall in, like, October and Halloween and horror movies. I feel like this is just the perfect time to really enjoy horror movies. There's so many, like, nice things. And for me, specifically, I have all these associations in my head with these things with fall. And then horror movies just slide right in. So it's just kind of like a great great time of the year to really sit back and enjoy it so we're definitely gonna be watching a bunch this month and i'm excited because i think my list for 2019 movies is already in the 20s i've seen a lot and i'm watching a lot of old ones too i I introduced my wife to scream for the first time just a couple of nights ago she had never seen it and she has a very annoying knack for always like really early catching like twists or like guessing things and i always have to be like oh i don't know like but i give it away with it and with this one she like guessed a couple times incorrectly and never really had the ending until it happened which i was like finally (laughs) finally we get one where she doesn't say oh it was was billy (laughs) it's billy the whole time then you know it's, it's just like yeah i remember showing her um crap what's the name of the movie the uh M. Night Shyamalan, where the kids go to their grandpa's uh, uh, trick-or-treat. Uh, <laughs> trick-or-treat. Um, uh, the Visit. The, the Visit, visit. yeah. <laughs> I re- absurdly early on, Debbie, uh, her, Alex's wife, guessed the twist for that movie. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> when you know that, I guess it's not so rewarding when we find out 45 minutes later. Um, but also, I, I can't let you gloss over just mentioning snacking on uh, candy corn without introducing the rest of our viewers to our mother's uh, addition to candy corn, which makes it, uh, I would say, like a full full pedestal above regular candy oh, corn. Oh, it's more than a pedestal. Because regular candy corn, you get sick of pretty darn quick. This addition makes it like you can just eat by the handful and you don't really get sick of it. Maybe slightly, but you can actually keep going back. And so the trick is to add equal part unsalted peanuts to your candy corn and yeah it ends up kind of tasting like a payday but it, it, it makes it so much more like eatable where it's not just like that super rich candy corn flavor the, the like the peanuts just add that really nice balance and it makes candy corn a thousand times better i would say a thousand times because candy corn i like and i like every halloween night or october i used to buy a bag and i would get sick of it so quick once I'd started this peanut hack, it's it's a it's a whole new ball game. And I was about to correct you on how you said eatable as, as opposed to edible, but you were right. Eatable is the better word yeah. because <laughs> it's it's already edible. Exactly. Clearly, I, I made the conscious choice of saying eatable. And though. I am so clearly on the side of functionality when it comes to the English language as opposed <laughs> to grammar. Anybody who knows me <laughs> knows this best. Uh, I shorten things. I make up my own acronyms and. 
uh, either get on the train or get off. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, Eric. So I think we can about wrap this podcast up. I think we have some plans to probably watch another horror movie tonight. Don't know what it'll be, but I'm excited to, to either heat up some cider, heat up some cocoa, and get to it. So uh, glad to get this podcast in. Hopefully you guys are enjoying your 2019 horror movie experiences, and we will catch you next time on Jumping Scared. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumping Scared podcast. Have any questions, comments, just want to share your horror movie opinions with us? Feel free to reach us at Jumping Scared Podcast on Twitter or by email, jumpingscared at gmail.com. See you next episode.